Hello treasure seekers and welcome to Shandy Andy's Unguarded Treasure. This is Series 1, Episode 22. We've had quite a little bit of chat the last, I guess over the last month really, on the Audio Dungeon Discord server about OSR and defining it and what does it mean to people and what does actually OSR stand for. So quite a few of the anchorites over there have uh, popped out uh, an episode saying what they think the OSR is. So far be it from me not to jump onto a bandwagon. So let's start with what OSR actually stands for as an acronym. For me, it's old school renaissance because I sort of saw it as being a rebirth of some of the original old school style games after the relative complexity of D&D version 3, I guess. Originally, when I got back into role-playing a couple of years ago and sort of discovered this label OSR, to me then, it was simply a reinvention of games that were played in the 80s. That's how I saw it, because a lot of the OSR stuff I was looking at was sort of Castles and Crusades, Osric, Labyrinth Lord, and they all seemed to be reinventing games that I'd played in the 80s, whether it was BX, Advanced D&D. So that was where my starting point was, I think, with OSR. Now, of course, Old School for me is not original D&D because I've never played it, nor have I played Blue Homes. Uh, I started out in the very early 80s, so it was starting out with Advanced D&D First Ed, BX, Call of Cthulhu, RuneQuest, those sort of games. And that's really what I base my Old School on. I think my definition of OSR quickly expanded out to include a sort of playing style. The only problem I really had with that was that what I was reading about on the internet and in the forums and that about old school playing styles was not really what I associate with um, old school playing styles. What I remember from playing in the 80s was that the type of game that we played we didn't do character backgrounds so it was emergent play effectively we didn't really base um, solving problems and that on player cleverness necessarily though we, we did play to the stats that we were given um, I can particularly remember my, my longest-running RuneQuest character, the highest character I've ever got in any game, started out with an int of eight. And I largely played him very much um, uh, as somebody who wasn't particularly intelligent um, deliberately to do that. So where I see other people mentioning about um, you know player cleverness being part of the old school, that's not really what I associate with old school at all. I think perhaps the strongest trait I possibly 
associate with old school is no power gaming. We never bothered trying to maximise our characters' possibilities or try to get really high stats or anything. It was just roll up the character and go with it. And that's something I have noticed in more modern games tends to happen. Um, is that I come across a number of power, what I'd call power gamers who do try and uh, do this maximising, which is just not old school for me at all. So I think I've come to the conclusion that old school renaissance is more to do with games that are trying to recapture the type of games that we played in the 80s, maybe with a little bit of tidying up and improving on the presentation. I think that's fair to say. So stuff I've mentioned before, um, Labyrinth Lord, I see uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess, uh, old School Essentials, I'd count, uh, as being part of the OSR. Where I'm slightly less inclined to include games is stuff like the Black Hack, which I don't think really does, um, for me, recapture the type of games I was playing in the 80s. Uh, uh, and that's not to diss it. I like it very much as a game. It's just I, I just don't I see it as being something, a child of the, you know, of the previous decade rather than from the 80s and I'm really not convinced that playing style as such has much to do with it um, there are certain aspects where I, I do think you could say character death tends to happen more often but that was more due to the rule sets we played rather than any style of play that came from there so where I am possibly diverting from a lot of other people is I certainly for me an OSR game and potentially the best one I've come across so far would be RuneQuest role-playing in Glorantha which um, is a perfect example of a, a game that's been reinvented but largely based on um, the original first stroke second ed RuneQuest game from the very late 70s and the um, early 80s. I'd like to also expand a little bit on the OSR and actually talk a little bit about labels. <clears throat> now, particularly I want to speak about applying labels within the RPG community. I mean, the obvious example is the OSR label. And I'd like to talk a little bit about why I think that labels are very, very useful and why I tend to use them up. Okay, so let's start with why I think labels are very useful. For me, they're pretty much essential within RPG because I've got to be honest, I have a relatively small amount of free time that I can spend on RPGs and I, I can't spend that if I spent that time looking around at all sorts of games with no idea about what they were or um, what they were aimed at I, 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 I just never get around to actually role-playing anything I just spend all my time looking so having a label like OSR even if it's not strongly defined is it's incredibly useful to me 
Now, I can guarantee that 90% of games that come under the OSR um, sort of label, I'll probably like. And that's just generally because no matter what people's definition of the OSR is, we generally do know what we're talking about, in my opinion. And I think that the differences are actually quite slight. So that's a very good label to have. I mean, another good label is fantasy or low fantasy or high fantasy. Again, these there are no solid borders between the two. Some people might put one game or one setting into a high fantasy and others in a low fantasy. And perhaps there's even a category called mid-fantasy. Who knows? But it gives me a pointer as to what the setting or the system is aimed at so that I can think, yeah, that, that, that that's what I'd like to do. I mean, I... I I have a preference for for heroic fantasy settings. I don't dislike sci-fi or cyberpunk or horror, but they're not as interesting to me as a heroic fantasy setting. So that label, when I see it there, that's going to push it up to the top of the priority for me. And I don't care whether um, I actually look at something that's marked as uh, you know, high fantasy, and then find out, well, no, I don't think, I think that's actually low fantasy, but it'll be the top end of low fantasy, probably, so, and I like low fantasy as well, so I don't know whether I'm rambling a little bit here, but what I'm trying to put across is that, although I've heard a lot of this, that labels aren't important, you can't label stuff, it is very important um, to some people, and I'm not disputing it's unimportant to other people, but to people like me, labels are very important. You've been listening to Shandy Andy's Unguarded Treasure. If you'd like to contact me, please drop me a message on Anchor. Email me at shandyandy at gmail.com or possibly find me hanging around at Audio Dungeon Discord channel.